G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Hi and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, Pastor Jeff brings us a message from 2 Corinthians. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, reminding and encouraging them they have been changed by Christ. The greatest summit known to man is a relationship with Christ where your eternity is secure. And we're supposed to do whatever it takes to get people there, even if it means risking our lives. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We are His ambassadors. I want you uh, to turn in your Bibles, your iPhone, your iPad with a ringer off, uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21. Uh, it's going to be on the screen, and I'm going to jump right into it. We'll come back to it. So if you're turning there, we'll use it again, okay? But here's how it goes. This is the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. All this is from God. All this is the fact that we've been transformed. Something's happened in us. It's different now. All this came from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Anybody else think that's good news? (laughs) And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me tell you a little bit about my story here. Uh, How many of you have any memories of like when you were five years old? I mean, how far does your memory go back? Five, four... I think God prevents us from having the memory of our birth because it would be too painful. So not many of us remember being born. Our mother does, but we don't. So I remember when I was five or six years old, my mom forced me and my three brothers to line up on the wall so she could take a photo and she dressed us all up in suit and ties. And for some reason, one of those memories that sticks out is my grandmother looked before she took the picture and she said, look at Jeff, he looks just like a preacher. Interesting, huh? Whatever that means. I didn't have any fried chicken with me, so I didn't get it at all. But, uh, and so, two people got that. Uh, when I was in fifth grade and was 10 years old, I remember my teacher, Miss Treadway. Oh, yes, Miss Treadway. Whew. Man, was she gorgeous. She's the kind of teacher you wanted to get to school early. I'd get in trouble on purpose, so I'd have to stay after school. It was just me and her. Oh, man, those were the good old days. In fact, still today, when I smell her perfume, I think of Miss Treadway. But I remember Miss Treadway. I was all dressed up going to the fifth grade ball, and she said, you look just like a preacher. Amazing how you remember those things. Now, of course, I didn't want to be a preacher and didn't really know what one was 
at that point, at least when I was five or six. But as it turns out, and I'll cut the story short, I did become a preacher. So I found myself in, I found myself in Zimbabwe for 10 years, then graduate school, then New Zealand for 10 years, and then Savannah, Georgia. And then one day got a call from John Brainerd, chairman of the board of our elders here, and we started some conversations. And I came to visit here in 2008, January 2008. And I asked Robin to come with me, and she said, no, there's no way I'm going to California. Uh, those people are weird out there. And now we're here, and you are weird, which is why we fit in. And so I came back after my visit. And by the way, it rained for 10 straight days here when I was here. I went back and uh, let me put it in context now for you. We knew, Robin and I knew that God was leading us somewhere. I was at Savannah. I was a teaching pastor there, but I knew I was meant to lead. And so we started kind of saying, God, what you want us to do? We visited two other churches that were just being honest. This is, this is just to tell you the journey. Okay. There's nothing meant other than the journey of this, but their property was so much better than yours. <laughs> I mean, one church in Indianapolis sent me a DVD and said, God has chosen you. Of course, God hadn't told us that yet, but this is a 3000 seater with parking and in a university town. And I went back and both Robin and I said, no, that's not us. And then we went to another place in Southern Illinois, same kind of thing, land everywhere in a little town, Evansville University was there. Nope, that's not us. And then I brought Robin, I, I convinced her to come out and visit CCV with me. And she came after the very first servant, after the very first service, she said, this is you. And I'm here. Now, I want to tell you and remind you why, what happened here. Okay, it wasn't your flash property. <laughs> it wasn't that. We didn't even have Etiwana Gardens then. I saw something in you. I saw that you were not satisfied just by coming to church, that you had a heart to reach those who were far from God even then. I saw that you had two fantastic pastors before me in Ron Keller and Chuck Boer. Both of those guys had great hearts of evangelism to reach people who were far from God. A lot of you are in this room because of Ron Keller and Chuck Boer's ministry and you came to Christ through their heart for you. I saw Ron Keller stand on this stage and I interviewed him a couple of years ago and I heard him say that the church got to a point where they realized they were just maintaining, they were safe, they were satisfied, but they knew there was something more. So he came up with a vision. He said, we've got to do whatever it takes to reach the next generation. So we're going to change things around here. It was risky, but he was willing to do it. And he said, we're going to stop sitting down, staring at our hymnals and we're going to stand up. We're going to look up and we're going to praise up. And an entire church generation decided that's us. And through his ministry, that's how you came to be here. So I looked at all of that. I looked at how diverse you were. I love the diversity. No offense, but I do not want to be the pastor of an all-white church. I have nothing against white people. I happen to be one. But I, I think a church should look like heaven. And in heaven, there's great diversity. And so I wanted to be a pastor of a church like heaven. But the thing that got Robin and me the most was your heart and your history for the loss. It was undeniable. We saw a group of people who did not want to form little holy huddles and keep the unbelievers out. 
We saw a church that for years and years lived for those who were far from God, a city on a hill that could not be hidden. We saw that it compelled us. And what really got me was then Dane Johnson came, put his arm around me and he said, listen, I want to tell you something. We've been searching for a pastor for over a year. We're looking for somebody good looking. We're looking, let me finish, let me finish. We're looking for somebody super talented. We're looking for somebody that we believe will just change the world. And we called him, he couldn't come, so we called you. And then I knew this was the right place for me. So here's what I want to do in my time with you. I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you of the core of this place and the core of the gospel and the core of the call on your life. Let me go back to verse 20. And here's what the Bible says. We are therefore God's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, let's ask a few questions. First, what is all of this that he's talking about? All of this is the fact that you and I have been transformed by the power of God. Have you forgotten that, of what you once were and what you are now? Have you forgotten that somebody met you, that you met somebody else, that there was a divine intervention, a divine experience where you met somebody who took you by the hand and walked you toward Christ? It might have been your parents when you were younger, but a lot of you, we've had such a changeover. A lot of you have come to Christ in the last five, 10 years. So somebody brought you. So what is the what? All of this, everything God has done, eternity, hope, I mean, Isn't it kind of encouraging to know we got this thing figured out? Not life itself, but we know where we're going and that nobody can take that from us. So we got it sorted, man. We, and it's a good, how many would agree that's good to know we're on our way to heaven with God? That's a good thing. All right. Now, according to the passage, who is it that reconciled us? Reconcile is an accounting term. So if you look at the book, the math doesn't work for us. Because if we're going to be accepted by God, we got to be 100% pure, but none of us are. So the math, the books stack up against us. But what does the gospel teach us? Jesus came and he didn't doctor the books. He changed the books. He credited his righteousness and his upholding of the law to our account. So that when God looks at our accounting, we're good with God, not on the basis of what we've done, but what on Jesus did for us, right? It's the power of God and the salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. Now, how many of you would agree that's good news, right? But sometimes we forget what happened. How many of you have read the story of the Good Samaritan? And every time I read that story or hear it preached, I think we missed a big point. Because we look at it and we think, okay, there's a guy who falls under the hands or into the hands of robbers on this dangerous, treacherous road. And then there are three guys that pass by. You got the priest who was supposed to help and just ignored him. You got the Levite, the religious man who was supposed to help and ignore him. Then you got the Samaritan who's at the very bottom of the spiritual barrel. He stops and helps and takes him to the hospital, so to speak, to the hotel, pays for all of his expenses, bandages his wounds. And we all stand around looking at which one are we? We know that we have compassion but we know we're indifferent as well, like the priest. We know that we want to help, but we don't want to take the time. It's inconvenient in our busy life to help, so we're a little bit like the Levite. But the reality is, who are we in the story? We're the guy in the ditch. That's who we are. That's the point of the story. We've been rescued out of the ditch. Somebody took us and bandaged our wounds. Somebody rescued us, redeemed us. And the whole point of the parable is that if somebody did that for us, the natural inclination now would be for you and me to do what? The same thing. 
This is Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff's reminding us we are Christ's ambassadors. We've been redeemed, but sometimes we forget we are to live changed lives. But here's what happens. We get comfortable. We like things the way we like it. And we get satisfied. And the next thing you know, we forget that we are creatures with new features, according to the Spirit of God. You ever see the movie Everest? Everest is a true story uh, based on the life of a Kiwi, a New Zealander, Rob Hall, who led expeditions up to the summit. And in the movie, you see how people pay a lot of money, but they depend on him to get them to the summit. So much so, this guy's willing to risk his own life to make sure you get to the summit of Everest. But the movie ends in a sad way because Rob Hall dies. He's so passionate about getting this one guy to the summit that he's tried to get year after year that he ends up making an unwise choice, stays on the mountain too long, storm moves in, he can't get back down, and he gives his life in order that one guy may get to the summit. I think about that every time I see that movie, and I've seen it about four times now, I think about that. That's us. The greatest summit known to man is a relationship with Christ where your eternity is secure and we're supposed to do whatever it takes to get people there, even if it means risking our lives. Now, the question is, if God reconciled us, all of us, and we know that it was he who did this good work in us, and all of this that we experience, everything is from God, then the next question is, who are we? Who are we? Look at what the text says. We are therefore... Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. You want to know what the call of your life is? Young people come to me and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, let me tell you the first thing you're supposed to do. You're God's ambassador, as though God was making his appeal through you. Let me help you understand it. We are God's ambassadors, his number one representative to planet earth. We were not elected by people. We are called of God. You are God's ambassador. You were not elected by people. You were called by God. To make sure you're hearing me, I want you to repeat that. Okay? Here we go. I am God's ambassador. I was not elected by the people. I am called by God. Now listen, have you ever heard this before? Jesus is our only hope and we are his plan to reach those far from God one life at a time. There is no plan B. Have you ever heard that anywhere? Where have you heard it? So... We're serious about it. Have you ever heard this one? We are not here to maintain, but to take new ground. We honor the past while being faithful to what God is calling us to do in the future. Have you ever heard that one? Now, what does that mean? That means we are not a maintenance ministry. We are not people who get satisfied ever. We're always moving and taking new ground. So if we go through a season where people far from God are coming new to God or near to God in any area of ministry, high school, youth, children, women's, men, the whole congregation corporately, then we're not happy because we're not here to maintain. We're here to take new ground. And it's not about numbers for us. It's about people who are headed toward a Christless eternity. And we have such a heart for people because Jesus pulled us out of the ditch that we go about our lives pulling others out of the ditch. And here's the reason why. Because we're God's ambassadors. We were not elected by people. We are called of God as though God is making his appeal through us. That's who we are. Now, here's the tendency. Here's my my, uh, frustration. What is the enemy to growth in any area? Complacency and satisfaction, right? Uh, Let's say you're a gymnast. The moment you decide in your mind 
that you're limber enough, you're strong enough, you're fast enough is the point at which stagnation begins. And if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. Same thing happens to a weightlifter. You tell any weightlifter, once a weightlifter decides I'm big enough and I'm strong enough, then he doesn't maintain. No, you stagnate. You stop working as hard and you start moving backward. Same thing with preachers. When a preacher gets to the point where he's not studying, he's not on his face before God, and he's just preaching sermons out of the barrel, what happens to him? He gets stale. He gets stagnate. The church starts to die. He starts to die. And the spirit of God is not releasing divine energy to change the life of people. It happens in every walk of life. And it can happen in a church. And it happens in a church when we become consumers. Now listen to me. When we start... Becoming just satisfied with going to my little church and singing my little songs and hearing a sermon. But that's it. When there's no holy discontent in us that people all around us are headed toward eternity without Christ. Now, let's keep going just for a moment. Have you ever heard this one? We exist to help people far from God come near to God. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that? Where have you heard that? Wow. So we say that we're not better than anybody else and no one else is worse than we are. And we all have this calling on our life. Let me say it again. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So who are you? So you weren't elected by the people, right? You were called of God as though God were making his appeal through. Wait a minute. God makes his appeal through you, through you. You're God's ambassador. You weren't elected by the people. You're called of God. See what sometimes people do in churches. They say, well, if God wants to save people, he'll bring them in. Well, wait a minute. I just read that he does want to save people, but the appeal comes through you. You're an ambassador of God, you. And so the question is, have you forgotten that there was a point in your life where somebody rescued you? And have you forgotten that there are people now that need you to pull them up and rescue them? You know, I just got back from the North American. Mike Bro spoke in the closing session, Kansas City. He was fantastic. I think by far the best sermon of the convention. Because he's so real, isn't he? He's just a good old guy. And Mike and I were talking before he went up to speak. And I said, look, man, I, wanted to sh I showed up early. I said, I, I want you to know I'm pulling for you. I'm in your corner. I'm right here praying for you. And he told a story about a man named Keith who grew up in a very difficult home. Now, you can imagine him telling the story to 7,000 people, however many were there. And he said, Keith was abused by his father. He was in the hospital holding the hand of his mother when she died. He was 12 years old. An older man took advantage of a situation where a young man was kind of lost trying to find his way in the world and hired him at an adult bookstore. And one event after the next happened where he actually became the number one distributor of pornography from the West Coast. There were two guys, one from the West, one from the East Coast. These two guys had a hold on the market. But during the whole process, he knew something was not right. He knew there was a frustration, a struggle. There was guilt. There was shame. But he just kept ignoring it because all the money he was making. And then a Christian came. And instead of saying to him, hey, you know, you're going to hell and Jesus hates you. He just came alongside and heard his story, walked with him through the journey. And last year they baptized him in the Pacific Ocean and no more pornography. Now, here's the point. 
Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you something? Do you think we have these statements because they just sound good? Who are you holding the hand of right now and walking with to bring them to the summit? Who? See, here's the problem. Most of us are like the children of Israel. Rather than go up and meet God on top of the mountain ourselves, we'll just stay at the bottom and hear what it was like when Moses comes back. Here's what we do. We love to celebrate stories of conversion. We like to be around this church. We like to see the baptisms on Easter. But we would rather sit back and just listen to other people's story rather than go to the mountain ourselves. And sooner or later, I want you to know that the reason I took the job here was because of what I saw in your eyes. That you would never be complacent. You are not about holy huddles. That your whole passion and mission you realize that you are an ambassador of God as though God is making his appeal through you. You were not elected by the people. You were called of God. And it's not, like, it's not like we preach these messages and try to lay this big guilt trip on you without preparing you. That's why we do things like starting point and contagious Christian. We assume the responsibility of equipping those who really want to learn how to do this because there is a way that you can come alongside somebody and that you can pray for them and you can be their friend and you can help them to the summit. Everybody wants to go. Stop listening to statistics. Stop listening to the atheistic statistics. They're just simply not true. Christianity is booming in this world, in China, in Asia, in all over South America, in Russia, 100 million, 90 million, 80, I mean, it's amazing. People are still looking for the summit. No matter what they say, no matter what they act like, they're still looking. And we are God's ambassadors, as though God is making his appeal through us. This is our calling. And I'm suggesting to you that we can do this. Now listen, there's an African word that I learned in Zimbabwe called umbutu. Can you say that with me? Umbutu. One more time. Umbutu. I love that word. Umbutu. And it means this. I am here because we are. What does that mean? I am here because we are. There are people in this room that are here because we are CCV. And part of that is that we are God's ambassadors as though God is making his appeal through you and me. We were not elected by the people. We were called by God. And so if you're here and somebody pulled you out of the ditch at some point in your life, even if it was your parents at a young age, then the call on your life is to help me, to help us. We're better together, far better together than we ever could be apart. And the call of God on our life is to rescue the perishing. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We'll leave it there for today and continue next time to be encouraged to live as those who have been changed by Christ because we are His ambassadors. Do you realize it's the call on your life? Yeah, you might be a doctor, lawyer, I don't know what you're going to be, but I know your primary call is you're an ambassador of God. You've not been elected by the people. You've been called of God. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.